All right, so um, before I get started, I, I just want to say um, if you hear a, a weird sound in the background, it's my dog. He's, uh, I don't know what his problem is. He's probably got something caught in his throat. Um, but if you hear a like a like a goose sound in the background, that's that's him. He'll be fine. He's breathing. Um, but uh, it, it, anyway, if you hear that sound, that's that's what it is. Um, this morning, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about God and um, how we how we as as human beings can uh, come to know um, who God is and see him for who he is. Um, there is a, uh, well, I want to get, I want to start off by reading, um, from the book of John, the first chapter. And, uh, if you have a Bible this morning, again, I'm going to be very, uh, brief and to the point with this lesson. Um, but if, with that said, I want to, <clears throat> again, start off with looking at, uh, John, the first chapter. In John, the first chapter, um, at the very, very beginning, verse number one, it says, notably, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And um, I want to start off by just examining that basis and that fact um, by saying that in the beginning, uh, the Word and God were indistinguishable from one another. Um, in every way, shape, or form, uh, the Word was, you know, also separate from God and also one with God. Um, it says <clears throat> in uh, verses 2 and 3 of First John, excuse me, John, the first chapter, um, that uh, God used the Word, or it was the power of the Word that brought everything that we see into existence. And I think that's a powerful statement um, because there is a uh, kind of a, a movement going on um, in in certain circles that uh, uh, that God that there is okay number one you're either an atheist or an agnostic and um, I know there's other options right because we are certainly neither of those two were believers um, but in pop culture. Um, a majority of people as it pertains to God um, are either they don't believe in God or that they believe that there is a God, but that that God is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, they believe that what, whatever higher power exists in the universe is ubiquitous to all human beings. And that... Uh, the God of all human beings um, does not subscribe to one particular way of worship, um, one particular doctrine. Um, they believe that uh, the stories of religion, and that's what they believe that they are, are simply stories that are useful for uh, mankind to develop patterns of, of behavior. Um, but... And I guess there is no but, um, because that's their argument. And we know that that argument is, is halfway true. Um, the other 
half of that story is that there is only one God. Um, and the God that we believe in is the God that created everything that we see. Um, and if he created everything that we see, um, he is not just a God that is loosey-goosey. Um, meaning that the pattern, the complexity of life that we see, the way things move, the rotation of the earth around the sun, the rotation of the moon around the earth, um, the way that uh, um, you know up is up and, and down is down when, there, when gravity exists, all of these hard line principles of physics that rule this universe are, are, are very strict. Um, they follow a pattern. Um, and that same pattern exists not just on the Earth, but on the Moon, and on Mars, and, and multiple other places. And I may be getting into the weeds on this, but I also kind of want to say that um, the God that we believe in is a God of faith. Or the God that we believe in is rooted in faith. Um, what makes the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God, uh, the Father, the Almighty, um, certainly the father of Jesus the Christ, different from all the other gods that are worshipped in the world's religions. Um, I don't know, I haven't studied all the world's religions to be able to give you a, a clear answer to that question, but um, my faith tells me, based on the word of God, that uh, the one God, or the God that has created all things, is in fact um, the God that freed the, the Hebrews from Egyptian bondage is the same God that um, Moses spoke with in the burning bush, um, is the same God that said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, um, is the same God that in the book of Revelation um, will have two books, and out of those books he will judge um, every man based on the works that they have done in their body, whether they be good or bad. Um, it is the same God that is referenced in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, uh, starting at verse four, that says that um, he is through all in us all. Um, and well, let me let me read that because uh, I'm, I'm missing one one adjective there. I know I am. Um, but in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. or a verb, actually, is what I'm missing. He, um, he is the one God, Father of all, who is above all. That's the one I missed. Who is above all, through all, and in you all. Um, I believe that because of what the Scripture tells me. And I believe that because, again, going back to John, the first chapter and verse number one, that the Word of God um, was was with God and was God. Um, so what is the evidence of God? How can I see God? Um, well, if you go, if, if you're looking again at uh, John, the first chapter, because the word was with God and the word was God, in the 14th verse of John, the first chapter, it says that subsequently the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the disciples, you know, in the Matthew, Mark, the Matthew, uh, John, Thomas, um, 
um, Judas, um, Philip, James, all of the 12 uh, disciples, um, and his mom and his dad, his family, um, his fellow countrymen in Nazareth and in Jerusalem, were able to see God. And how were they able to see God? They saw God through um, the lifetime, the spoken word of Jesus Christ. Because, as it says in verse number 14, that that word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You know, there's one fact that I just kind of want to touch on in verse number 18 of John, the first chapter. It says, no man had seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. You know, there's an old, uh, there's an old passage of Scripture that um, is contained in the Old Testament that no man has seen God and lived. Um, and certainly that is the case. If you go back, you know, the Old Testament Scripture that um, even the, uh, the Levitical priests who went into the holiest of holies, um, were not able to see God, but God manifested Himself in, in a cloud of smoke, um, in a, you know, uh, in in Moses's case, in in the form of a burning bush. But to actually lay eyes upon um, God was is too much for any human. Um, so when people, agnostics in particular, even atheists, they say, well. Um, how is it that you can believe in a God or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and, and have never seen him? Well, the, the point that uh, we have never seen him doesn't make him any less real. Um, because in the two verses that I just referenced, certainly here in verse number 18, that no one has seen God. And there are some people who say, well, I've, I've visited with God or God has visited me in a dream or... Um, maybe have had a, a burning bush type of situation in their experience with God. But um, in verse 18, if as it says in black and white, that no man had seen God at any time, but his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who was the Word in the very beginning, who was with God and was God, um, who became flesh in verse number 14, the same only begotten Son, um, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared his existence. And that's what Jesus did for the three short years uh, of his ministry, from round about the age of 30 to his passing at round about the age of 33, um, was he spent his every waking moment of his time um, showing the world that God does exist through, through himself and by the things that he did. Um, you know, the, the book of John, um, again, if you, if you have a Bible, um, turn to, uh, <clears throat> what is it, um, John the 20th chapter and verse number 31. It says in John the 20th chapter and verse number 31, but these things, all the things that Christ did, in his short three years of life, and it's encapsulated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It says, But these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. In essence, what the reason why these things were written, the reason why he did what he did in healing the sick, raising the dead, um, 
you know, um, feeding thousands of people with, you know, what was it, three, three fish and seven loaves of bread, turning water into wine, you know, all the various um, miracles and signs and things that he did. He did all of those things to show certainly the people at this time and all of us um, here today um, through the gospel that Jesus is, in fact, the Christ. He was and is the word that was made flesh in the 14th verse of John, the first chapter. He is the evidence that there is a God. He is the evidence that that God that does exist is, in fact, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Again, in verse number 31, But these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by and that believing ye might have life through his name. And that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. Um, if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> um, there is an account of Paul... Um, in Acts the 17th chapter, coming across some agnostics in uh, the town of Athens in Rome. How do I know they were agnostics? Because the Athenians at this time, certainly the scripture tells us that you know the, the Jews, it was a part of the, um, the Greek culture um, to seek knowledge and wisdom. Um, They felt that uh, the only pathway to enlightenment, well, excuse me, that there was not just one pathway to enlightenment, but that all pathways, all uh, philosophical pursuits, all religions and faiths, um, collectively together um, can bring one to enlightenment, um, you know, to, uh, you know, take civilization to the next level. And so in Acts, the 17th chapter, um, we're just going to read a few verses here, starting at verse number 16. It says, Now when Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stern in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this blabbler say? Other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. They hadn't heard this before. This was new. And because, you know, uh, you know, as, (laughs) you know, the scripture talks about, people will be given over to uh, itching ears. In this context, they were given, their itching ears led them to the truth. Um, But in any case, they they came across Paul and they were um, curious about this this new thing that they uh, had never heard about this Jew called Jesus and how he died on the cross, um, on a cross, was buried in the ground three days and, and was resurrected Um, back into life. And so it says in verse number 19, because of that curiosity, they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? 
for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. Again, those itching ears. Um, We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear of some new thing. Now, as it goes on to to talk about in our scripture reading, verse number 22 and verse 23, certainly in verse 23, um, where, you know, Paul says, you know, the proof of their superstitious nature is the fact that they had a subscription or inscription to, um, to to the unknown God, which is, you know, uh, the hallmark of agnosticism, which is to say that there again is a God, but humankind can't know the the true nature of God. Um, And so the pursuit is in order to, uh, to know the true nature of God, one must study all of the various viewpoints of God um, in order to in order to figure that out and so that's what the Athenians were were all about doing they spent their time with nothing else other than the pursuit of learning quote-unquote more about um, about this unknown God um, and about the the world's religions and about all the different philosophical um, doctrines in the world Paul um, says at the latter part of verse number 23 that they worshipped this unknown God ignorantly. Even in spite of all of their pursuits, um, they ignorantly worshipped him. They, they still could not know the essence of God and who he is and what he is. Uh, this brings me back to um, what uh, Solomon wrote in the, the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. He said that, the preacher set about to to learn new words and to read various books. Um, and he says that all of that, that pursuit of knowledge and wisdom and, and all those things to be able to answer all the questions is vanity and vexation of spirit. He says um, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Um, that's a simple equation. It doesn't require... You to, to to read a whole bunch of books. It doesn't require you to study Buddhism and Hinduism and Mormonism and Pentecostalism and and all the various other denominational faiths out there in the world to get to the point where um, the whole duty of us the the clarity of our the clarity of knowing what our purpose is on earth, which is to fear God and keep His commandments, is. But again, I, I go back to. Uh, Acts the 17th chapter um, and we'll start reading in verse number 24 Paul tells the the people there the um, agnostics there at the at at Athens he said God that made the world and all things therein seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands neither is this God worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. In verse number 26, he goes on to say, And hath made of one blood all nations for men for to dwell on the face of of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might fill after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. 
For in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of our, excuse me, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and men's devices. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he raised him from the dead. And what you can see here very clearly, um, and, and maybe maybe you can't see it clearly, and that's fine too, um, is that he starts off with the basics of saying that God is a spirit, and that God cannot be worshipped with hands, he can't be formed into an image, because as it states in John, the first chapter and verse 18, nobody has seen God. And if nobody has seen God, it is impossible to make a graven image with physical things to uh, in the in the image of God. But what he does say is that even mankind, our bodies, um, as uh, <coughs> as he says in verse number twenty-eight, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain. Also of your poets have said, for we are also his offering. If anything, each and every one of us is um, is the image of God. How do I know this? Go back to the book, uh, uh, the book of Genesis. Um, Gen- uh, God says, let us make man in our image. We are our bodies. In, in a very real sense, while certainly are not uh, the, the true, um, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for, the literal, um, uh, a, a literal copy of God. Our, we are not, human beings are not a literal copy of God, but our beings, um, our bodies are made in the image of God. And I, and I guess, again, I go back to this thing, if there is, I say this uh, tongue in cheek. If there is an um, an idol to be worshipped or um, an idol to be placed on an altar to worship God, you would have a, you would have an image of a man. But I digress. Um, but it says uh, going on in verse number thirty-one, he ties all of the basic stuff back into um, the word. Um, and I say capital W and not lowercase w, because the capital W that was made flesh was Jesus Christ. And that is the same person Paul is talking about here in verse number 31. And I'll read it again. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given, excuse me, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he raised him from the dead. Who did he raise from the dead? Same person that um, he was talking talking about in the town square in Athens. Jesus Christ. It all comes back around in full circle. Um, we can't 
truly come to know God without knowing Jesus? Very simply put, what is it uh, in John, the 13th chapter and verse number three, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man can come to the Father but through me. We cannot know God, truly know who he is and what he is and what he is all about without Jesus. And in a very real sense, Jesus is God or Jesus was God in the flesh. It's a circle. God and Jesus are... Um, you know, they cannot be separated from one another. Um, so when we, you know, as you in your daily lives or, um, you know, hear, you hear stuff on the Internet or in news articles, you know, where there seems to be kind of a, a war on on religion <clears throat> in general. Um, and I would say that, uh, you know, that that war isn't really against religion in general. It's a war against the gospel of Jesus Christ because they kind of lump us all together into one basket. Um, when that you know, again, based on our beliefs, that can, that can't be that can't be the case. But again, when you're when you're hearing all of this uh, this this noise around you, just understand that you have seen God. Not maybe not actually having seen God, but you see God. Every time you open up your Bible and you read of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you read about Jesus himself, when you read uh, all of the, the other books of the New Testament, uh, starting from the book of Acts 4, about men and women, for that matter, um, who have experienced and have visited with and ate with and, and, and spoke with, again, this word that was made flesh, um, that was that was with God and was God from the very beginning. Just want to um, conclude this lesson um, by <clears throat> um, going to the uh, the book of James. And um, you know I, I will say that, uh, I'm not going to cherry, well, to cherry pick the word of God is, is a sin. Um, because, you know, the scripture tells us that uh, um, we are to study the, the whole of the matter and not just some of the matter. I mean, we, we have to look at the book chapter and verse in order to get the true meaning of, of what's being said. But uh, um, before I read from the book of James... Um, again, looking at the first chapter, I, I just want to drop a, a few verses in here just to kind of set the stage for this. Um, the scripture tells us that God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, the scripture also tells us that the words of this book um, are spiritual. And because they're spiritual, they must be spiritually discerned so if God is a spirit and his word is a spirit or excuse me his words are spiritual um, it also means that you have to have some 
spiritual decoder um, in you or in your mind, I guess in a very real sense, in your brain. Um, the uh, I can't I can't recall what part of the brain it is, but you got to have something in your brain that has a spiritual component that will allow you to not not just read the word, but spiritually discern it, so that you can see the spiritual nature or the spiritual being that is the Almighty God. So in James, the uh, first chapter. <clears throat> In verse number five, it says, If any lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. If you have any question about who God is, why would you go to any other, any other source but God? Why would you look for God in any other place than where God exists. And it says if you lack if you lack wisdom, ask him. Ask God and he'll give it to you liberally without with um you know with without uh, holding anything back. But in verse number 6, and again it starts off with the word but, but let him ask in faith Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And, you know, that is a part of the, um, the circle, I guess, if you will, of knowing God, is that you have to, you have to believe in God. You have to have the faith. And not just a, a um, it's got to be a faith, as it says in verse number six, and I, I you know, I'm not wise enough to, to put these words together, but I know God is. He says, a faith that is, that without doubting, there is no wavering in that faith. So if you go to God, um, with a belief and faith, a, a, a faith that is absent of doubting, and you ask him, God, tell me more about yourself. Who are you? What are you? Um, what is your purpose for me? What is your purpose for mankind? Whatever the case may be. If I go to him and ask those questions in faith, as the scripture tells us here, he will grant that wisdom to us. He will answer that question um, in due time. So that's my lesson for you this morning. Um, if if you uh, if you ever have any issues about who God is, um, just go through those. Uh, Sister Allison is recording this lesson, so it's available to anybody. Um, but just. I just want to reflect upon the power of John, the first chapter. If you read through John, the first chapter, the only thing you can be left with knowing is that Jesus, the Christ, was, in fact, God in the flesh because he was the word. And if I if I believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, 
then I also must believe that the words that Jesus spoke were in fact the word of God. And if it was in fact the word of God, when he says that there is only one Lord, one faith, one hope, and one baptism, and when he says that there is one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in us all, then that has to be fact. That has to be, by definition, the gospel. And if I believe all of that, um, then I also must believe that, um, that it is only through baptism into that body that I can, tr that I can find <clears throat> true salvation. Because, as it says in what Colossians, the first chapter, I believe, thir the 13th verse, that um, Jesus Christ is the head of the body, comma, the church. And if, you know, I believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, then I can also supplant God into that by saying that God is the head of the body, comma, the church. The scripture tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, or um, when Peter stood on the, on the day of Pentecost and delivered the Pentecostal sermon, when the men asked him the question, um, what must we do to be saved? How can we ever hope to, um, uh, how can we ever hope to get over the, the transgression of killing our Lord and Savior or uh, slain the only begotten son of uh, only begotten son of God. Peter told them, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost." That is the only way to be reconciled back to this one and Almighty God, um, and and also through that baptism we get that spiritual component that we need in order to spiritually discern the Word of God, in order to be able to see the spiritual God for who He is. So if, again, if you're here this morning and you need prayers of, of, of strength or uh, prayers of faith, if there's anything going on in your life that you need to ask forgiveness for, um, please take the opportunity to do so um, after we sing the uh, Song of Invitation. 642.